Today is Monday, May 1st, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Antros. A great awakening. That's what some are saying as one of the largest evangelist outreaches hits Oklahoma. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Joining me now to get through the news of the cray, as we like to call it here, Billy Hallowell. Happy Monday to you, Billy. I I am excited to be here. I'm ready to go. I am as well. Monday. Uh, I've lost my voice apparently, so you'll have to you'll have to all suffer through me suffering through trying to talk. Uh, but I feel fine. I just it just were you sounds watching funny. a sporting event, Dan? I, no, what, what I don't. I don't know why. It, there's no logical reason why it went. I just, I just, who knows? I'm getting old. Maybe it's that. <laughs> I can't figure it out. Anyhow, oh, man. that's my personal struggle. What do, what do we got coming up on the focus story, Billy? Yeah, we're going to be talking about whether or not you can be good without God. There's a new survey that shows where Americans and people around the world stand on that. Yeah, I love this topic, and I'm interested to hear the results. But uh, that'll be coming up. Also on the main thing, the D.L. Moody Center's James Spencer is stopping by to talk about their five-day social media fast. Good idea. It's called Go Dark, Shine Bright, and it actually starts today. We'll have more on that on the main thing. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And a student-led evangelistic event based in Oklahoma has quickly become one of the largest outreaches in the country after more than 80,000 people signed up for tickets within a matter of days. Fill the Stadium OU was a gospel outreach being held at the University of Oklahoma's football stadium, and it's, it happened over the weekend on Saturday, April 29th. Chance the Rapper, Carrie Job, Chandler Moore, and evangelist Nick Hall were all there. The event sold out within a couple of days, making it the largest university outreach ever. And the FBI says it has zero leads in the expanding manhunt for a Cleveland, Texas man who allegedly shot and killed five of his neighbors on Friday. One of the victims was a nine-year-old boy. Officials hope the offer of reward money will lead to the arrest of the suspect, Francisco Orpeza. And weekend tornadoes piled up cars in South Florida Saturday and damaged dozens of homes in Virginia Beach, Virginia, on Sunday, where a state of emergency was declared. The storms were accompanied by rain and strong winds. Thankfully, as of yet, no fatalities have been reported as a result of the storms. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. And a lot going on. Obviously, we have an outreach. Billy, this happens after um, Asbury and that string of revivals were reported to be popping up around the country. Now we have this massive event at OU and it's it's very interesting. I know you talked to Nick Hall last week ahead of this event, and our own Ephraim Graham was at this event, so looking forward to his report on what happened this weekend. But it's very interesting to see all these young people coming out and really giving the energy and, um, you know, you know what, surrounding the gospel. Yeah, I think I think that 
you know, you can have these multiple dynamics happen at the same time. And yeah. those dynamics would be like culture crumbling, but yet people thirsty for something more, you know? And I think because of where culture is, we're seeing a lot of young people kind of desperate and looking for an answer. I don't know how you continue to sort of like dismiss these things, right? I mean, there's yeah. people out there who are like, oh, nothing's happening here. And it's <laughs> like, well, I don't know because you've never, there was never an event like this as far as I know on a secular college campus ever. So this was historic. Yep. They ran out of tickets in, in a couple of days and they had at least 60,000 people requesting those tickets. So the, this is a very unique time. And I definitely think it's worth paying attention to, to how God might be moving. Especially when all we hear is young people, young people, young people leaving the faith, leaving the faith, leaving the faith. That is all we hear. And while those numbers may be increasing, there's still a vast minority of the whole country. And so there's this, it, it feels like an attempt to make people think or feel like the country has no more Christians in it. And you see events like this, especially among young people, and it's certainly an eye-opener. And it was the same thing surrounding Asbury and all the things happening around there. People, very big eye-opener to see young people with such a zest for the Lord. And it's great to see. And I think also too, Billy, it ties to the topic you're going to be talking about and the story you're talking about here in a few minutes where can you be good without God? We'll get into that discussion. But I think what we're seeing, we've talked about this, you know, I have eyes, you know, you're being told things that are blatantly not true about gender and things of that nature that are that are clearly not true, both scientifically and you know, philosophically, spiritually. We can see these things with our own eyes, but we're being told, no, 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 this is good. This is a good thing. And and I think most people are going to look at that and go, wait a minute. Are you, are you sure about that? Is that real? And maybe, and that's just a hunch on my part, but I think perhaps there are a lot of people who are leaning into faith because there are real answers there. Yeah. Well, and you know, like, look, if you've owned every communication channel outside <laughs> yeah. of the church for like 50 years, you should be where, where the secular world is right now. They, they've been able to just shift all these perspectives because it's like, you know, it, it's like nurture, right? They've nurtured an entire culture to believe lies. And so, but at the same time, young people who, yes, I mean, there's generational replacement, meaning that the, more young people today are atheists or agnostic or disconnected from faith than young people of the past, but they still have something in them because God mm -hmm. built that into all of us. They want the truth and they're looking for the truth. And surveys show that young people want to be open to spirituality, right? And that's why when we talk about all these negative stories, oh, they're finding it in tarot cards and all these strange things. Well, that actually shows that there's a thirst for it, right? So you've got to mm -hmm. redirect all of that, pull people out of that. And I think when we when we hear these stories, we see the reaction to Jesus Revolution, we see Asbury. I think we're watching Christian young people rise up, but we're also seeing a lot of other young people because of that thirst um, start to find it in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a reminder that we need to be, hey, sharing the gospel because you don't know how God's going to use that. It's not up to us to convert or to... Um, convince somebody God will do that work. All we have to do is be faithful, trust that the Spirit will give us the words at that time when when we're speaking, and then God will do the rest. No pressure on us there, and uh, we're seeing, I think, some of that at play, and it's great to see. So 
We're going to move on to our next story now that I just uh, mentioned here a moment ago. Can you be good without God? A newly released survey offers insight into Americans' beliefs. What's uh, what's the story here, Billy? Yeah, so this is from the Pew Research Center. They conducted a survey last year, and this was a global survey, but we'll talk first about uh, Americans. And it's interesting, Yeah, basically we're asked the question of, you know, do you need to have God in order to be moral and have good values? And 65% of Americans believe that it's unnecessary to believe in God to be moral or have good values just 34% of Americans believe that God is essential to morality and solid values. And yeah, it's it's important to note that this data is really influenced by a lot of different factors, right? So if you if a person says that religion is incredibly important in their life or at least somewhat important, you see there's a change in how these numbers work out. So 92% of those who say that religion is not too or not at all important, so not really important in their lives, 92% think that you can be moral without God. That's not shocking, right? They don't believe you need God. So almost 100%, 51% um, who say religion is very or somewhat important would agree. So the point is, if God is in your life in some way, you're going to see the need for God. You're going to see a greater tie between morality and God. Um, but but it is interesting, though, because religiously affiliated people, and that's a tricky that's a tricky metric because that just means you say you're part of a faith, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how you know how much of an inherit you really are, but 56% of those people in America said it's not necessary to believe in God in order to be moral or have good values. So. The point is here, Americans overarchingly overall do not believe you need to have God to be moral or have good values. Interesting. What uh, what do people in other countries say? Yeah, that's that's where it gets really interesting because they agree. Um, so you, basically people in most countries do not think that you need to have God uh, to be moral. And it changes per country, but it was at least 60% in most of the countries that were surveyed feeling like, you know, it was not necessary to have God to be moral. Mm, interesting. Were there any outliers in this? Yeah, there were. And, you know, Sweden was the least likely to tie God to morality. (laughs) So 90% of people in Sweden said it was not necessary to have God to be moral. And again, you go back to America, America was 65%. So that's a big, that's a big shift. Um, And Malaysia was inverted. It was like the one country out of the 17 that they presented that was inverted, meaning that only that 22% um, agreed that you didn't need God to be moral, but 78% actually felt like you did need God to be moral or to have good values. And uh, there were a couple of others. Israel was really interesting. Israel was almost split down the middle. 50% said, ah, you don't need God to be moral, but 47% said you do need God to be moral. So that Israel was really, to me, the most interesting in Malaysia out of the countries. Yeah, it is an interesting question. And um, the thing I'll add here is, that I don't know how I would answer that because of the way it's actually worded. You know, you say, can you be moral without God? I, I, on the one hand, I would say, yeah, you can, but you can't justify it, right? It would be like by accident or it would be contrary to your, to your worldview. If you are an atheist who believes we're all, you know, ancestors of fish and bacteria and we're just matter in motion. And then you talk about things that are good and well, we can be good. Well, it makes no sense, you know, compared to your, worldview like what why are bacteria good and how do you define good 
Who defines good? And so you can't give a justification or an accounting for why you should be moral. You could by accident be moral or adopt it from the Christian worldview, but you can't define what is good without God. So um, I think it's pot, like maybe, I don't know if people are thinking about that question in that way, but when I hear it, that's what I think. Like, well, technically, yeah, you know, you could be an atheist and do nice things and be a nice person, but you need God to justify it. Otherwise, it runs contrary to your worldview. So, yeah, there, there's a couple of weird things here because in my mind, I mean, you have the president of the United States saying that it's immoral to not transition children, yeah, right? So right. Th this issue of morality, like what comes into somebody's mind, I guess if you ask the question and you put God into it, it definitely probably reframes it in people's minds. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of people running around today saying that this is moral and that's moral and you just make up whatever morality you want. But what is interesting about this in America, when you look at Democrats and Republicans, this is this to me was one of the most interesting metrics. De this is a quote from Pew. Democrats and those who lean Democratic are more likely than Republicans and Republican leaners to say it is not necessary to believe in God to be moral. Hmm. And so. And then it goes on to talk about liberal Democrats and all that. But the point is to me here is that people are tending to think about this in terms of the way we would talk about it, you know, God and biblical morality in America yeah. because of how we're seeing those numbers break down. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super complicated. I guess the other thing I would throw out there, if your culture has been steeped in biblical values for a very long time, you're still benefiting in culture right. from that, right? Mm -hmm. In some way. Yeah. Although I think we're detaching from that now, but yes. Yeah, no, I would completely agree. And I think as I kind of alluded to there, the hijacking, and that's sort of what I mean is that, you know, you have these worldviews that don't really have a basis for doing all of these things. And they'll say, yeah, of course we, we should be good and we should do this and we should do that. that that's all hijacked from the Christian worldview from biblical values and they pick and choose the parts they like, but then don't want to follow the parts they don't like. And you see more and more people trying to pull those out and separate those things and, and filter them and do the ones they want. And um, it's just, that's the way you go with that conversation because you cannot justify it apart from God. And so it's interesting to see these numbers, Billy. I appreciate you bringing them for the story today, but we're going to move over to the main thing now and talk about the five-day social media fast called Go Dark, Shine Bright. It actually starts today. And Madison Seals caught up with James Spencer from the D.L. Moody Center to talk about how important it is to refocus our attention on God in an age of distractions and how social media affects not only our mental health, but also our spiritual health. That's today's main thing. There's no doubt social media is influential in our lives. Now more than ever, we rely on sites like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram to keep up with friends and family, stay on top of trends, and even stay up to date on breaking news. It's become so ingrained in our lives that it's hard to imagine doing without social media. But that's exactly what a campaign called Go Dark, Shine Bright is encouraging Christians to do starting today. And today I'm joined by Dr. James Spencer, president of the D.L. Moody Center, about this five-day social media fast and why it's necessary. Dr. Spencer, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. 
This is the third annual Go Dark, Shine Bright social media fast. So can you tell me a little bit about how this tradition got started and what it involves? Sure. We were kind of sitting around as a team trying to figure out how we could uh, get Christians to pray more, to read God's word more, and really just to step away from some of the influences that uh, are maybe hindering our discipleship and spiritual growth. And so what we came to was the idea that really prayer and Bible study and other Christian disciplines are very much in competition with what we do online, particularly on social media, but also things like shopping on Amazon or just watching whatever your favorite streaming service may be. And so what we decided was that we would challenge Christians to set aside some of those influences for a a period of time, five days, and then uh, really tie in and, and read God's word uh, spend some time in prayer. So we're having them set aside the bad stuff or the, uh, the the things that are influencing them away from Christ and pick up the things that will influence them toward Christ. And so that's really how the campaign got started. Yeah, that's awesome. You're highlighting an issue that's so much bigger than just people's obsession with social media. It's so easy for us as Christians to just go with the flow and embrace the things of this world when that's what we are surrounded by almost all the time now, social media really amplifies that because we're just more connected than ever. And according to a new study from YouSwitch, Americans spent an average of 58 minutes a day on Facebook. That's about 325 hours in a year. And the study also found that members of Gen Z, the generation that has literally grown up with smart devices and touch screens everywhere, spent a shocking nine hours per day in front of a screen. And if social media was filled with all positive things and encouraging things, we'd be seeing some positive effects on mental health. But what kind of results are we seeing instead? Well, I think unfortunately what we're seeing is that the world is becoming increasingly proficient at telling stories that drive us away from God. Mm -hmm. And so what we're beginning to see are problems with anxiety, with attention, with addiction, um, and, you know, negative aspects of the, of the sort of screen time that we're spending. And I think even more than screen time, although that's a very specific issue that I'll, I'll comment on in a sec, but I think the content that we are consuming is really driving us in directions that will uh, deny us the truth of God's word. Um, they, are, they are antithetical to the word of God. And so uh, as we're influenced by these stories that deny God, diminish him and, and, and influence us so that we push God to the margins of our lives, we can be pretty sure that we're not pursuing the imitation of Christ in the way that we should be. Now, screen time as a whole is uh, sort of, it's a mixed bag. Um, we see different results from that. Uh, one of the things that I do know, though, is that as we're spending more and more time on screens after dark, Um, that has negative implications for some of the chemicals in our brain, sort of tricks our brain into thinking that there's more daylight than there actually is. And so we're not recalibrating some of those chemicals during our sleep. And so I usually recommend to people, hey, put the phone down at night, turn the screens off at night, pick up a book and read it, (laughs) you know, something (laughs) like that. Um, But get good sleep because um, I think we're also running into technological issues that we won't even really fully understand how it's impacting us. Some of these things, the content, you know, we can see negative content coming our way. But some of the things we're doing with technology, we aren't going to recognize the negative implications for some time. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I want to talk about the title of this campaign because it mm. brought the verse to mind in the Bible that says, people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand so it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That's in Matthew five fourteen. This campaign isn't just about giving our eyes and brains a break from social media, although that's an advantage of it for sure, <laughs> but it's really about making time for God. Why is it important to make space for God to shine in our lives? Yeah, I think the, the real core of the campaign is just this. When we're obedient to God, I believe that he will show up in our lives in powerful ways that will make us rethink how we interact with others, with the world, and even with God himself. And so the Go Dark portion of this program where we're asking people to set aside some of these media influences that may be drawing them away from God is really crucial. But then we didn't want it to stop there. We wanted it to end with sort of everybody giving a testimony about how God met them during those five days, how their obedience, how their intentional movement toward God impacted them positively across those five days. And so adding a testimonial aspect to this is really the shine bright portion of the campaign. Yeah, that's a good point to mention that it's really twofold, that going dark is just one part of it. And you're actually not encouraging people to log off of social media forever at all. Part of this campaign is actually encouraging Christians to post why they're leaving social media and hopefully inspire others to follow suit. But Part of this, too, is that social media is an opportunity for us to share the light that we have within us. And this is a good time for us to you know, center our time on the Lord, find out how he wants us to affect others, but then to even use that when we go back onto social media. There's so many Christian influencers who are doing just that and really being a light even in a place that's full of so much darkness. That's right. Yeah, we're not trying to get people to be anti-technology. What we really want to emphasize is that we need to be in, in control of the technology. We need to be using the technology for an end, which is our discipleship, our spiritual growth, our worship of God, that is appropriate to what it means to be Christian, and not allowing the technology to form and shape us in ways that make us look less like Christ. And I also want to mention a point about fasting too. I know a lot of people think of fasting as something that's really difficult to do because we're depriving ourselves of something like food or social media, but it's more about feasting on God's word and spending more time with him. And I love that way of looking at it because it really is taking time to fill up on something that's so much better for us than what we were fasting from in the first place. Yeah, and we do try to provide um, because fasting can be challenging for some people. So as they set aside sort of what they were doing, we do try to provide resources for them so that they're not having to guess what to do. Um, so we do provide a 10-day devotional guide for folks to go through, as well as other reading that they can do across those five days for the fast so that they have clear things that they can engage with as they're setting social media aside. That's great. And I want to ask about your new book as well called Christian Resistance, Learning to Defy the World and Follow Christ. How does this campaign align with your book? Pretty closely, actually. We wrote the book um, and it published it this uh, January. And um, the idea with the book is just to outline several different topics that aren't usually treated in Christian devotional literature. Things like how we view time, um, what it means to imitate Christ, how is it that our attention uh, plays into our Christian life or how we respond in various situations? And so we wanted to uh, sort of 
create these topics that people could continue their journey after Go Dark Shine Bright. And then we also have sort of made it so that any profits that go or that come from the book actually go to support the Go Dark Shine Bright program. So this is very much a book that helps us to support our ministry, as well as providing additional value for anyone who's looking to uh, grow in their spiritual life. For those interested in joining the fast, where can they find out more of these supportive details? Yeah, all they have to do is go to godarkshinebright.org. godarkshinebright.org. They put their email in and they'll download a full PDF guide. And folks can start today. Um, the campaign officially starts May 1st, but we usually like to say you can really do this any time of the year. But we'd encourage people to go godarkshinebright.org and uh, download the guide, do the devotionals, uh, work, it, work it all through. And uh, let's uh, have a shared, coordinated testimony for Christ on social media. Dr. Spencer, thank you for the work that you do helping Christians learn what walking with Christ looks like and how to apply that in their own lives. And thank you for sharing about this campaign today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, Madison, appreciate that conversation. And that leaves us with time for one last thing today. So 2 Timothy 4, 5, I love the first part of it. I'm going to read the whole verse. It says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That's the ESV. Mm. And it's interesting because that sober minded piece, it's like we live in such a crazy culture that we can start to get crazy when we obsess over what is going on in the culture. And so we talk a lot about that on, on this show, but we want to remember how do we be sober minded? We align ourselves with Christ. We align our hearts with Christ and we just constantly do that every day and move forward in, in that truth. Yeah. I love it. Great spot to leave it here on the podcast today. And Uh, As always, appreciate you being here, especially today as I um, struggle to speak from losing my voice. If you made it this far, congratulations. I I really appreciate you being here. Uh, But Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We shall be back here tomorrow with more. Don't forget to head on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. God bless. See you tomorrow.